Welcome to the Acoustic You Podcast, guys. I am your host, Cheyenne Williams, and if you are here to find the real, raw, unapologetic version of ourselves, you have came to the right place. So if you're ready, I'm ready, let's lock arms, and let's go out and change the world. Oh my gosh, I am so excited to share this new guest with you guys she is absolutely a gem she is my best friend and the really awesome thing with brie is that she is heavily focused and heavily passionate about emotional health and i didn't realize that emotional health was its own thing i always thought emotional health was part of mental health and it was connected and your emotions and your thoughts are dictating each other and all of the things and in this episode, you will realize that mental health and emotional health are actually two different types of wellness. And it's super interesting to hear the differences, hear how someone who is focused in just mental health kind of sees things, focused to someone who is only passionate about emotional health. So I hope you guys are excited just as much as I am and stay tuned. I also have some exciting news because I just launched Defying Trauma, the seven day workshop for moms. During this workshop, you are going to get six recorded trainings you're going to be a part of a private facebook group and then you'll have a one day live q a coaching call with me as well and you're going to get uh, printable pdfs and workbooks and it's going to be amazing so during this seven day workshop you are going to learn about how generational trauma impacts your parenting and influences your relationship with your children and your partners you're going to learn how to heal your inner child and your inner being you're going to learn how to tap into that unapologetic desire and that undeniable self-love that we constantly crave so that you can then create a life of abundance and genuine love without any negative frequencies that are caused by your traumas that are holding you back. So this is going to be a deep dive into motherhood and how to overcome your traumas so that you can love and be a whole next level in parenting so if you have any questions look in the show notes for more information or you can dm me at underscore cheyenne williams on instagram and we can chat pre-sale ends august 15th right now you can get into the workshop at 88 dollars 88 dollars and you get access to all of the goodness so stay tuned for more information and enjoy the show thank you for joining us so welcome to the acoustic you podcast you guys i have my dearest friend brianna fatal with me today um she's absolutely a gem we met in our network marketing business a couple years ago and have been rocking ever since um, so I will actually let her do the honor of introducing herself just so I don't botch her story because it's just so amazing. Um, so Brie, go ahead and introduce yourself and kind of what you do, how people can find you, and we'll dive into it. Hi, everyone. Um, first of all, thank you so much for having me on. It's an honor. And I know we chat all the time. But it's still really awesome to be a guest on your podcast. I feel honored and very privileged. So thank you for having me. Um, Yeah, gosh, my story. I don't know. Where do I start? Which story do you want? (laughs) There's a couple. Um, 
I guess, yeah. I mean, I work in holistic health and wellness. Like you said, we are uh, Sideline Sisters in our network marketing business. I particularly love the company that we work with because it's plant-based holistic wellness. So it goes along with my passion, which is emotional health and, um, walking with people through emotional health, just helping them identify emotional health separate from physical and mental, because people sometimes overlook that and really just helping people to understand that it's an equal balance, physical, mental, and emotional health daily. And when you think of an upside down triangle, I want you to imagine each corner, physical, mental, emotional, how do you make that thing balance on its point end? Um, you need to be doing things daily that fill you, that fill that triangle, that allow it to balance on its point end. Um, and that passion really just grew from a major loss I had in my life. I lost my youngest brother's suicide in 2019 and it totally rocked my world. And I come from extremely humble beginnings and all of the traumas and all of the things through growing up, but nothing rocked me like that. And when you're laying on the floor and you don't know where to go from there, sometimes I think, um, you have to hit rock bottom to know that God's the rock at the bottom. And the only way to go is up. And one of the um, hands that reached out and helped me was the extension of grief counseling. And I never had experienced that. I never thought, oh, grief, let me learn more. <laughs> it's usually something we try to avoid in life. And it became fascinating because I was dealt this situation where I didn't know where to go. I didn't know what to do, what to say, how to breathe, couldn't do all of it. And it was really a guiding point that allowed me to just show up how I was completely in shambles. And it taught me that what I was feeling was normal and natural it taught me what I was thinking and, and moving through was completely normal and expected. And it gave me tools to continue moving forward in life. And instead of my emotions controlling me, I was able to, I was able to grasp, understand my emotions, listen to them and give myself what I need, as opposed to just letting them wreak havoc and dictate who I was and what my life was going to be. Um, and I thought what a powerful thing to be able to share with others. And so simultaneously I was started using plant-based products, taking better care of my health, um, working out and all of the things. Right. And so that's when I started to realize how connected we are as human beings, gut brain connection is there. So, uh, for me, yeah, that's my biggest passion is emotional health, sharing the importance of it and helping people navigate through the number one emotion that we're guaranteed to have, but no one has ever taught you how to process. And that's grief. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. And honestly, one thing I haven't like ever thought about is the difference between mental health and emotional health. Like even coming from my mental health background, I was like, oh, it's all the same thing. Like in mental health, you talk about your emotions, vice versa. And like, it wasn't until I actually saw you kind of like break that apart where I was like, 
oh yeah, it is different. And for me, I actually saw that when I got into grief counseling too, which you introduced me to, which is like traditional psychology is all about the symptoms presented at hand. And sometimes that doesn't work for people, especially those who have trauma, because a lot of trauma stems from emotions or are emotionally attached. And grief counseling kind of changed that perspective and was like, well, let's talk about your emotions, actually, and we'll leave the symptoms out. And that was like the interesting part. So it's kind of cool, like watching you kind of do the same thing I do, but from two different perspectives, but it's all connected, right? Like mind, body, soul, emotions is all connected. And it's so cool to be able to share that truth. Um, And so like, for me, I always tell my clients, like your thoughts are only supposed to be thought and your emotions are only supposed to be felt. Um, Do you believe that? Or do you feel that like your thoughts dictate your emotions and your emotions dictate your thoughts? I believe both. I believe your thoughts can dictate your emotions. Absolutely. If I sit here And I think about the last conversation I had with my brother or the phone call I got from his girlfriend that morning or the phone call of my mom telling me, or, you know, I'm going to, if I sit here and think about those, of course, I'm going to start crying and I'm going to become overwhelmed and I'm going to be sad and which is all okay. That's all okay. And that's beautiful. And if I want to have, trust me, I have those days where I'm just like, I'm going to listen to sad music right now. And I'm just, I want to be sad for a minute. Let me have that. (laughs) Um, But I also believe that our emotions are messengers and they are telling us something. And oftentimes when we have, you know, there's the separation of consciousness and subconscious. And so if we are being triggered by a situation or something around us that can dictate our thoughts and, and then we can show emotion based on that. So I think it's both, um, exterior and internal that our thoughts and emotions can be conflicted and arise. So I don't know if that answers your question, but <laughs> no, yeah, <laughs> it does. It does. And it's interesting to hear the different perspective because like, that's one thing we're taught in psych school is that you're like, even though they do dictate each other, like they're not supposed to, and we shouldn't give them permission to. Mm -hmm. And so kind of having you validate, like, no, it's okay that they do dictate each other is kind of refreshing for some individuals. Right. Um, Cause some people get so caught up where it's like, they like their anger or their sadness and are controlling their every single day. And it gets so frustrating sometimes that kind of reiterating that that is okay to kind of not be okay is really powerful. Um, yeah. Yeah. You did answer the question. Absolutely. Um, just a a, a rule, a note on that really quick. Um, in like for, in what I've experienced in working with people who are stuck in an emotion, right? So you're continuously experiencing anger, um, instead of looking at the exterior of what's happening, that's making you angry, Try to look at the interior and what happens when you're angry. Do you go and seclude yourself away from people? Do you go and um, 
have a conversation and, and vent to a best friend? Or do you pick something up and throw it at the wall? What is your reaction to that anger? Because what happens is something could have triggered you to where you became angry, but maybe it's not, you're not even angry at that thing, that situation, that person that's in front of you that you're responding to. You're angry because it's triggering another memory and or experience possibly in your subconscious, most likely from your past that you felt angry and you're responding in a manner that just seems normal, that you were likely socialized and or taught when you were younger, Um, which again, not a bad thing. We're only taught what our parents, our elders, our, our people who raised us know, right? And they don't, they're not all knowing, no one is. And so there's really no right or wrong, but I think one practice that I share with people that they can do is, um, you know, emotions are our messengers. Okay. Well, maybe don't look at what's causing that emotion, but look at your response and try to understand what your response is telling you. Because oftentimes when you can pinpoint your response, how you're um, responding and reacting because oftentimes we react before we pause and respond. Um, so, but look at that reaction and or response. And when you can pinpoint that oftentimes you can rewind back and pinpoint the first time you felt that. And then, and that will tell you, this is why I respond this way. This is why I run and hide in the closet when I'm overwhelmed, or this is why I need to vent to someone because I watched it happen before my eyes, you know? So just a a little note on that in terms of the exterior and what we can look at interiorly by responding. Yeah. Yeah. And it kind of goes into this idea of like that inner child healing. Like when you were explaining that, like, that's literally the first thing that popped up into my head was like, the inner child healing and having to heal that part of you so that you aren't reacting and responding in certain ways. Mm-hmm. Um, because a lot of our trauma triggers do come from our past, even if we don't want them to, like, that's just what a trigger does. Like it brings you back to the past, which is why we do grounding and meditation and like all the things to bring us back to the present. And sometimes we get so caught up in wanting to like heal ourselves that we don't necessarily heal the whole person or like the whole bigger picture. Cause we're so focused on the one thing. Um, and so like for you and your journey with your like emotional wellness and your healing process, what has been like your number one biggest non-negotiable during this journey that has like worked Ooh. for you? What a great question. My biggest non-negotiable in my own journey Ooh, ooh, ooh. Um, I'm like excited, but I don't know how to answer just yet. (laughs) Emotions. We love them. Okay. So for my personal journey through, well, okay. Question. Let's break the journey down. My journey of healing from my brother, my ex from the loss of my brother, my journey, my extended healing journey beyond that, or my journey into now working in this space. Okay. So yeah, let's break it down. So what, <laughs> how did you, I guess, cope with your brother before mm. learning everything, you know, now I am a 
a counselor told me once there are two types of people. There are hedgehogs and there are porcupines. <laughs> the hedgehogs burrow in the hole and they come out when they're ready. And porcupines, it's just spikes out for the world coming at you hot. I'm very much a hedgehog. So I burrow. I am the closet crier. I can't tell you how many times I have a walk-in closet list. Can't tell you how many times I've run to it specifically to cry and then come out like I'm fine and nothing's happening. Or I cuddle on the couch and hide from (laughs) my husband who's over my shoulder and can see me and just let a couple tears out. And then I'm good. Um, and I never knew that a crying is a chemical reaction. It needs to happen, but B I, I hold things in. So a non-negotiable that I needed to develop was, um, healthy expression of that. And that, um, that is a tough one for people because you have to do it in an environment that you feel safe. And oddly for me, an environment that I felt safe was social media. So I could easily go to social media and, you know, write out a caption and really like thought provoking thoughts that I was experiencing and adding in, you know, cross-referencing things that I was learning through counseling. And it, it really just became like a diary for me to work through all of my thoughts and feelings, get it out in a caption and just like whatever the photo was, whatever the photo was. <laughs> Oftentimes it was like a selfie in the mirror at my counselor's office. Like, you know, it, it, that part didn't matter, but it was just a place to get my thoughts out to openly express because uh, I had this high school teacher and she used to say this and I never understood it, but she said, if someone has a question, always ask because someone else has the same question. And I'm like, chick, you don't know me. You don't know my questions. (laughs) Like I've got them all. And I never understood what she meant until aging myself here, Google came out. And then when Google came out and you go to type in a question, what do you see? All the other questions that pop up in yours is always there, no matter how like weird or obscure you thought it was, or too many words you thought it was, I should say. Um, So for me, I knew moving through this experience, A, I'm not the only one. B, there are other people thinking these things. C, this could help someone who was in my position. And none of those were bad things. All of them were helpful and healthy things. And so I thought this was a, not only a safe space for me to be able to have that expression that I knew I needed. Um, but it just felt like a good place to practice it. And so it turned into a floodgates opening in the DMS of people who just felt really seen, really, uh, empowered to just accept where they are in their own emotional journey healing. I had people reach out to me that had lost someone very close to them to suicide over 20 years ago that were like, I've never been able to explain it, but I resonate so much with what you're saying. And then I had people who, you know, someone reached out the other day and they just recently lost someone a month ago. And so I'm, I'm, 
able to, you know, I, it, it's just touching people in a way that I never knew it had the potential to. And so for me, that was a non-negotiable was adapting to a way to have that healthy expression. And it, that, I guess it kind of carries through my healing journey of my brother all the way through what I do now, because that's how it developed. Cause I just started expressing on a public platform because for me, um, and I think it, I think this ties back to like my own trauma experiences growing up and like not really having parental supervision a lot, not really having parents around ever and, and solely learning off of observation of peers and situations at school. And, Oh, this is how people are supposed to act. This is what, this is what you do in that situation. I think based on my survival tactics that I adapted when I was younger, just to get by, um, that taught me to feel more safe and comfortable expressing to a larger group of people than expressing to like a family unit, right? Which is so backwards because most times people are like, this is our family, blood is thicker than water. We got you, we got your back. But like, I didn't have that. So I'm like throwing spaghetti at the wall, like, Hey friends. And I would do that. Oh, that's not acceptable. Okay. I'll come back tomorrow. I'll be better. (laughs) You know, which is like, I clearly not ideal, but that was just my, that was what I developed. And so I'm kind of coming to this realization just now on your podcast that that's probably why my open expression on social media felt more comfortable than even like confiding in a conversation with like my husband or my closest friend. Sometimes I can never find the words, social media. She got it. I love the honesty and like the realness but like it's also super interesting because it's like we are friends right so it's like still learning about you and we've known you for years (laughs) yeah it's like super cool um and then also just having another conversation that we usually don't have if we hang out right because it's like usually we're drinking wine and dancing and doing whole other stuff than we're usually like not working or talking about work (laughs) exactly so it's really cool to be able to like see this side of you and like hear this side of you because I'm like literally was getting like full body chills when you were talking I was like oh great my girl like but I get it because like I was the same way where it's like social media has became like my safe place because I had like I had the opposite experience like me and my family are close and they do know a lot of the things that like go on in my life but there's still like judgment and bias and criticism. And so it's like, for me, like I use, I still use social media as like my safe place, kind of like you, like it's easier for me to cry on my stories and write a caption and explain how I feel about my mental health while still giving a safe place for other people who are going through similar things like me can like be heard and feel safe and know they're not alone. Right. But then also like, I kind of have been got like getting the pushback too, where it's like, you're not supposed to share your truth on social media, right? Like some things are meant to be private, which is totally a thumbs down. down. I rebuke that. (laughs) But people believe that, right? And, you know, also with like, where you were saying about like what you're taught is so true because like your attachment styles are created during your infancy, which is, literally dictated by your parents from like the way they sleep train you to like leaving you in the crib to cry and like all of these things like dictate how you react emotionally to things and how you attach to people whether it's 
codependent or like leave me the F alone. All of that is based off of parenting styles. And I think of like kids, especially since I obviously have some, like so many people are like, don't let your kids throw tantrums. Don't let them cry, right? Like, oh, you're crying, go to your room. I don't want to hear it. And it's like, well, no, we're teaching these kids at a young age to not feel their feelings. And then they're ending up like us as adults where we're like lashing out and having mental health problems. And it's like, just let them throw their tantrums for the 90 seconds that their feelings are going to feel for and be uncomfortable. And so like, obviously, like we know that like society as a whole is uncomfortable with like the negative feelings, but like, why do you think that is? Well, I think um, you brought up a really, really great point when you talked about like sending the child to the room to cry because you don't want to hear it right now. I think that's like a common thing that maybe every millennial has experienced that you've been sent to the room because you were acting some kind of way that your parent didn't approve of or your guardian, right? Um, And that's like the biggest thing that blew my mind moving through grief recovery was... um, I learned about this example of when a child, and I remember this being told to me, and I used this on my younger brothers when I was raising them. And I also used this in my nannying practices, which were really only four years ago. So not a long time ago. And the example is if you have two children playing with a toy and one of them starts to cry and is, you know, it just experiencing big emotions, um, or maybe you're out in public, the, um, the instinct is to tell the child, okay. And forget the public. We'll just say they're at their house. The instinct is to, if the child cannot calm down, okay, you're going to go to your room. And when you can learn to share toys and play with your friend that's here, then you can come down. Then, then it's okay to play together. And in that moment, what you're teaching that child is that it's not okay to have big feelings. We cannot have big feelings in front of other people, especially not guests and people that aren't our family. We need to be alone when we have big feelings. We need to figure it out how to get through these big feelings while we're alone and secluded in a room. And all of those are not the truth. They're just not the truth. Um, And so, like I said, no parent, no nanny, no person that has ever done that or worked through that scenario in real life in any sort of way is in the wrong because we only know what we're taught. And so, um, it's socialized upon us, these practices, because everyone's just trying to do their best. I mean, oh my goodness. I give so much props to moms because I am not there yet. I cannot wait to be there, but oh my goodness, is it terrifying because kids got emotions. (laughs) Um, big ones all the time. Um, but yeah, so that is one of the the examples that blew my mind because our emotional processing and regulation is literally created from ages one to five. And we carry those when you talk about healing the inner child, yeah, you're going, you're rewinding time and overriding the software that you, your brain created and cemented in your head when you were five, you're overriding that and updating your own operating system to now match what is like normal. 
(laughs) and what's, you know, you got some things that are like in this day and age and others that you're still responding and reacting in a way from when you're five, because that's all your brain knows. So you are really going in and, and kind of like overriding that. But I think like one of the biggest, um, one of the biggest reasons that people feel that they need to seclude themselves or react in a certain way, um, or that some emotions are good versus bad is because it's literally just what we're taught. And so a lot of us are having to go back and override that information that was given to us when we were little, that we can't cry in front of other people or that it's wrong to be angry in public. Um, or that, I mean, a great example is I'll, I, I'll be at dinner with my husband and something is really touching. And I, I'm a big crier. Like I cry all the time. It's my number one selling point for the lashes that I wear, because I'm like, you don't even know how much I cry and these things stay on. But like, who's to say that I'm crying for a negative reason. Something could be so beautiful. Like, and because I'm such a sap, like I'll see a 80 year old couple out to dinner together. And I'm like, they're so cute. And like getting emotional about it, you know? And like, I'm not crying because I'm sad. It is literally just a chemical reaction. There is a study done and I do not remember the name of it, but there was a study done and it was, they examined the chemical makeup of tears from someone who cut onions, someone who's crying from laughing, someone who's crying from their sad and there was a fourth one there. There was a fourth tier I'm forgetting, but, um, they, all the, all the chemical makeups of every tier was different and they showed it under a magnifying glass. Like some structures were square, some were like large circles, others were small circles. And so it just goes to show like what is physically happening. Your body is reacting to chem- a chemical imbalance that is happening from your emotions and what you're feeling that's causing these chemicals to fluctuate in your brain and the, whatever the overwhelming chemical is rushes to your dear tear ducts. And that's how it escapes through your tears. So it's not a bad thing to cry, but my example, cause I'm rambling on forever is, um, that I'll be at dinner with my husband and I'll start to share it, but he's, he's like, don't, no, don't do that. No, no, not, please. Can you just go to the bathroom or something? And he gets uncomfortable. I'm like, why are you uncomfortable around people crying? It's such a beautiful expression of emotion. Like we all have emotions. It's okay to express them. Crying doesn't always negative. It's not always mean it's negative. And even if I am crying because I'm sad again, that is not a bad thing. Everyone is sad. Like what a beautiful thing to show someone Hey, I'm really feeling this right now and that's okay. And when you're feeling something that's difficult or hard, like, I want you to know that that's okay too. You can be sad and eat your pizza at the same time, girlfriend. Trust me, been there, done that. It's actually really dang good. (laughs) (laughs) Make comfort food that much better. (laughs) Yeah, That's where the term comfort food comes from, but that's a bad practice. We we don't condone that on here. (laughs) Sometimes, sometimes, (laughs) but no, and it also goes in, like, I've never heard that study, which is kind of interesting. Like it makes me want to look into it, but like, I remember one time in grad school, we learned about how, which I'm super interested on your opinion is we learned that emotions aren't real because what they were saying is that it was a study. I can't remember the guy's name, but it was for like one of the serial killers and, um, 
they were talking about how he had no like no remorse and they were using that against him when he was on the stand and they were saying that if you like take a baby right so like how you were saying like crying that's body reaction like that's born within us same thing with smiling right so if you think about a baby they smile and cry that's first thing they do when they come out the womb and we kind of teach them right so it's like if a baby's smiling we're like oh my god he's so cute he's happy whatever and same thing if they're crying like oh my gosh he's sad like what's wrong right but it's like if you were to look at that baby while they're smiling be like oh my gosh he's so mad like what are you doing that baby would then recognize smiling with anger and if you train them over a certain amount of time like you can actually teach them emotions such as like anger sadness happiness things like that and so they were saying that like the way I perceive anger is different than the way you perceive anger same thing with like happiness or sadness like it all varies based off of the household you're in and so ultimately like they decided that like emotions aren't real because of that like, do you agree with that? Or are you like, nope, emotions are real. Like, this is it. And yeah, that's, that's a really great question. I do believe emotions are real. I think our actions and our responses, our reactions and our responses are trained based on household and upbringing, because it's the same situation. If a little kid falls and you don't want them to be like, oh my gosh, I'm hurt. Uh, cry. You know, if they just like fell down and bumped their knee, okay, you got a little scrape. What do we do? You're okay. It's okay. And we start to just coax them and let them know that you're going to be okay. Just a fall, little bump. It's okay. We're good. We've got this. So you try to coax them in that way. Um, and that teaches them that, you know, I'm, I'm tough. I can fall down and get a bruise and get back up, you know? So we're instinctively teaching that reaction to minimal things that cause the body harm. If it's falling over and getting scraped, right. Or they fall down at gymnastics or something. You're okay. We get right back up and we go right back into practice. Um, so I think those things can be taught, but I've also seen when you give a two-year-old a puppy, they'll cry. (laughs) because what happens they're overwhelmed with joy and that emotion is causing that reaction so the reactions um maybe I shouldn't say that that emotion is causing that response of crying so I think our reactions to things if it's angry if it's sad can be taught um you know um but I do believe that emotions are real and they do exist in us um, because they're just feelings and chemicals and balances and yeah, they're real though. <laughs> You're like, I know, I know they're real. <laughs> so what are your like tips? If you can, like, how do you manage your emotions now? Or like, what are your tips for somebody to be like, I'm grieving. I have so much emotions, don't know how to deal with them, manage them, all the things. What would be your tips for that? Well, uh, I think is the first step is just recognizing that you, uh, might need help in that department. If you are routinely experiencing an emotion of anger that you don't know how to deal with, um, 
if you're experiencing sadness and sometimes you just don't know why you're sad, um, recognizing that something isn't wrong with you. It's just a department of your health that maybe you're not proficient in yet. And you could use a little guidance there. Um, so recognizing it first, secondly is forgetting everything that we've been taught about how to deal with emotions. Um, figure it out on your own. Don't show weakness. Um, uh, wait it out. Time will tell. Time doesn't tell you anything. It just ticks past. <laughs> and I always use the analogy, which you'll know this one. Um, if you get a flat tire on the side of the freeway, what happens if you just wait three hours or wait three weeks? You'll feel better. No, nothing is happening to that tire. You have to take action. Action is the only thing that moves you forward. So um, don't just wait it out. <laughs> Um, but recognize it and then take healthy actions. I would write down the emotion that you're feeling and I would write down, what is it in reaction to? If you're someone who can't put a pen on paper, do it in the notes on your phone. I'm very running around all the time. I'll lose a thousand journals. I try to keep them. It just doesn't work. But the note app on my iPhone is absurdly full with so many notes. So start a catalog in there of just, you know, Monday, the 23rd, I'm feeling really sad and I'm actually not sure why, but it's 2 PM. I've had this to eat and I'm just feeling really overwhelmed and really sad. And then write down the next time you're sad and what day is it and what's going on and, and then start to like, see if there's a pattern. Is this always when you're home alone? Maybe you're not sad. Maybe you're feeling lonely. Is this always after you've had uh, cheese pizza? <laughs> I've said pizza, I think four times. Um, is this always after you're eating that? Well, maybe that's triggering a memory or something where it was really sad time for you, or, you know, you can start to see the patterns. Um, a would be just start to keep recognize, keep track of everything. And then B would be just reach out and talk to someone. Oh, there are so there's such an abundance of, um, accessible therapy, uh, accessible counseling that you can tap into. And you guys, I am a firm believer in the good of social media. So go on TikTok and look up mental health. And even if it's not a video telling you like why you might be feeling the way you're feeling, maybe it's someone expressing that they're feeling something similar to you and you can find peace in knowing that you're not alone in what you're going through right now. Either or is going to be helpful for you in that moment. So take the action to look for health, whether that is seeing a counselor or therapist, which I always highly and firstly recommend, but social media is a good bumper while you're waiting for that appointment to come up. That's, you know, next week or next month, but those would be my actions to share for sure. Yeah, definitely social media. Social media is like, it kind of gives you that community um, mm -hmm. so that you're not feeling alone, but obviously another strong advocate to like go seek counseling, not to be biased. Yeah. <laughs> counseling guys like it definitely is needed and I kind of like I always tell people is like there's this whole stigma behind mental health emotional health however you want to word it nowadays like there's this huge stigma where it's like seen as a sign of weakness and you shouldn't do it and the whole thing and I always tell people like if people can go to the gym and hire personal trainers to work on their abs and things like that 
if you can go to a doctor to seek medical attention, like you can go seek professional help for your brain because that's ultimately what it is. Like your brain health is mental health, right? So it's like we all have mental health in some way, shape or form. And we should be okay with that because you can't have a good looking body if your brain's not functioning properly. So like that should be a priority before a personal trainer, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But it's so good to like be able to like hear other perspectives, especially like I said, yours, which focuses whole solely on emotions. Um, last question. Obviously, you're a huge advocate for like grief and emotions. How would you properly like care for someone who experienced that? Because as we've learned in grief counseling, like there's the myths and the things we say, but shouldn't necessarily say. So how would you properly care for someone if like a friend is grieving? What are the things you should say and are appropriate to say rather than the things that are just kind of like suicidal norms? So anytime you're dealing with someone that's grieving, my number one point for people is to learn and consciously practice the difference between sympathy and empathy. And sympathy is always coming from a place where you're feeling sorry. And while that can be true and you can feel sorry for someone who just lost a brother to suicide, they don't need your sorrow. They've got enough of their own. What they need is empathy. If someone moved across the country and doesn't really know a lot of people, that's going to cause you grief. Um, there are a number of things that cause you grief and I won't get into that, but for anyone who is experiencing grief, they don't need your sympathy. They need your empathy and empathy is just presence. It is just being there. Um, I find it so funny. My husband is a, um, a sports reporter. And so he knows all these different coaches. And of course we meet coaches and then I meet their wives and talk with their families. And these are, these are people that I'm not necessarily best friends with, but, um, you know, they're people in our community. And when someone is going through a tough time, my number one thing to recommend, and you can totally take this from me is to go grocery shopping for them because it's a task that I, when I was grieving, did not want to do. I did not want to go into Trader Joe's and have everyone ask me how I am with the biggest smile on their face, who I love everyone that works there. They're amazing, but I didn't want to deal with that. I didn't want to be around it. And so my biggest thing is always asking them, is there a task that I can do for you? Or maybe they say no. And maybe a week later you can say, Hey, I'm going to target. Let me know what you need. I'll drop it at your doorstep and you can get it whenever. And Hey, I actually really need some toilet paper, a roll of paper towels and a box of tissue, you know, whatever it, I, I need more plastic for like, we don't use plastic forks guys, sustainability, but you know, whatever they need, they're grieving, just get them whatever they need. Um, but just small ways that you can be there for them. Um, and use the illustration often, uh, if you are, cause the holidays are always a really difficult time for people that are grieving. And that's usually when it comes out most, um, And if you're, if the whole family is sitting in the dining room at the table and this one individual who's grieving is in the living room on the couch, sympathy would be looking at them from the table and saying, Hey, come over here, you know, come sit with us. Like we want to chat, we want to hang out, that's dessert. We got you coffee. It's over here. Like come sit with us. Empathy would be 
a family member getting up from the table and going to sit with them on the couch and not saying a word and just physically being there in the moment with them, having zero expectation of the person grieving to take any action at all, whether that's getting up off the couch to go sit with the family, talk to you sitting next to them. You have zero expectation for them. You are just showing up and being present for them if and when they need. Um, And it's such a beautiful thing to offer someone who is grieving and it goes unmatched. They like, I remember every single person who offered me grief, um, not didn't offer me grief. Good Lord. Every single person who offered me empathy. Um, and it, it truly is like an absolute gift. So if you can focus in on the one thing, just learn and understand the difference between sympathy and empathy and practice empathy with that loved one, that friend, whomever it is, you know, that's going through a difficult time and they will very much appreciate that. I love it. Awesome. Thank you so much for the nuggets and the wisdom that I definitely learned a lot today, just from the conversation. Always be a student in life, guys. Um, yeah. So thank you. Thank you, Brave, so much for taking the time out and sharing with my listeners. Um, I'm sure everyone is like, where can they find you? And I'll put all your info in the show notes. But do you have anything cooking up emotional health wise? Where can people find you if they do want to connect with you? I see the eyes rolling. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you so much for having me. This is so fun. It's always such a good time when we get to hang out and chat. And this specifically was really um, fun. And like I said, I'm honored to be a guest on your show. So thank you so much for having me. Uh, for the listeners, hey guys, you can always find me on the gram. It's just at my name, Brianna Fattel, which you can find in the show notes. Um, and in terms of in terms of emotional health and working with grief, um, there is a company soon to be launched, um, which I've never said out loud, but I guess I will because why not? Good grief company is coming. Um, and it will be a nonprofit. And the purpose of it is to share with people. Um, so they have a better understanding of what grief is the number one emotion that we're all guaranteed, but no one's ever taught us how to deal with (laughs) and to help them just understand more about it, um, healthy ways to navigate it and how to balance your emotional health with your mental and your physical health, because, um, I'm just big on giving people the tools that they need to build a better life and to build a better home. And when we build better homes, we build better communities, we build a better world. And I think it takes more than one. We can all do it together, but um, it does start with one. And so I'm looking forward to being that one. Like I said, it is a good group company. It's not out yet, but we're working on some courses that will be the initiation of the launch and it will just continue to grow and flourish from there. Awesome. I'm so proud of you. So proud of you. You guys have to go follow her, especially with all the new things coming out. So be the first ones to hop on her Instagram and find the yummy goodness. Um, Again, thank you so much, Brie, for hopping on. It's truly a pleasure. And thank you guys for listening. And make sure you guys check the show notes for more information on how you can find Brie.